At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Today is a fun topic, Marjorie Punnett. I do love this. I do love the idea of advice from your older self to your younger self. And I found this article on BuzzFeed, which of course is the media master of the list. It is <laughs> it is what BuzzFeed does best. But they actually pulled this from Reddit. And it was what 40-somethings would tell their 20-something self. Yeah. And I saw this and it reminded me of you when you were talking about dancing around to 90s music um, <laughs> and in your 40s. And I think this is a really important thing to do all through life is to sort of readjust, 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 and also listen to your elders. I believe that. They have good advice. You 20-somethings, 40-somethings, 50-somethings, and 60-somethings have very good advice for you. So let me read you Let me read you a couple of these. The, the first one, I think, is the most important. And I think you and I have actually had this conversation. Mm-hmm. 40-something to a 20-something, max out your 401k ASAP. Oh. Yes. I think that is the most important advice. I always, when I would meet younger people who worked for a company that had a company match and they weren't maxing out their 401k, I would just, I I would just be incredulous. Like, what are you doing? It stop, is. stop eating out. Stop everything. <laughs> Pay that first. Anyway, well, what I've, you just I've shared this before that, I mean, I have been historically throughout my life a very bad saver. Right. With the exception of my 401k, and um, I've gotten better. But when I was young, it was really difficult. And I let me just tell you, my first job in television, I made $19,600 a year. This was in right. 2003, okay? My paychecks were $554 every two weeks, and my rent was 550 Dark times, Marjorie Punnett. I had very little money. <laughs> um, but I believe my company matched up to like a 4% contribution into my yep. 401k. Yep. So I, all I did was put in that 4% so that I could max out the match. I couldn't at all. I mean, I, I think the max I could put into my 401k was like 10,000 a year. I could never do that. I would have had $9,000 left for the entire right. year. Right. So my dad was so obsessive about telling me, you've got to do your 401k, do your 401k. And so I did that and I took a check then after my time at that television station, which was almost two years, I had saved $700, Marjorie. Okay. Yep. 
That was it. That was what was in my 401k, $700. I took, at the time they gave me a physical check to take to my new employer to give them to put into my new 401k. And the next time I looked at it, I had $70,000 in there. Right. I mean, it is so amazing how fast that adds up. And then just the goal of getting to the point where you can put in the maximum amount that's allowed is incredible. You're so right, Marjorie. If you save for nothing else, that's it. Although now my dad's all revved up because he's trying to take money out of his 401k because he's retired and now he's getting taxed on it and he's got a whole (laughs) lot of fiery opinions on that. Well, that that gets you back into the Roth IRA, which I will not go into today because I am not a financial uh, consultant. But so this was some of the advice that was on Reddit. And I would 100%. I think that's one of the most important things you can do in your 20s. And I certainly... Um, stress that with my own kids. The other it's compound interest. Woo-hoo. It is. It's a beautiful thing. And then the other thing too that was on the Reddit thread was wear sunscreen on your face every day. Yeah. This man. is forty something advice to twenty year olds. And boy, I wish I had done that. I think my skin's okay, but I think my neck would be better had I put sunscreen on my neck every day. The so neck I think- is the thing that shows age. That's what yep. Nora Ephron would always say. Yep. Steve Patterson, my TCL co-host, and I were just talking in the commercial break yesterday about tanning beds. Oh. And about, I mean, this is the one thing that like, at least if you're, you know, I'm 39. So right. if you're 10 years, 15 years younger than me, you probably didn't go to tanning beds. Now I didn't go that much because I didn't have any money as a kid, right. but I mean, my friend Rich Higgins worked at Golden Tan in Burnsville <laughs> and <Tan>. like <laughs> many of my friends had unlimited monthly memberships to Golden Tan. Yeah. I'm talking to you, Lindsay. You had a membership and you would go like regularly to be tan. It is still the weirdest thing to me. So my father loved the sun. Yeah. I mean, he just loved, loved, loved the sun. And then he and moved to Mexico. Moved to Mexico at like 50. He was probably 54 when he moved, maybe around then, or maybe he's even 50. I can't remember now, but we always went to Florida. I mean, he would, he would put us in the car and chase the sun. Yeah. But in our basement, in our house in Chicago, he had his own sun lamp, like full on sun lamp. Oh, like like a tanning lamp? Like a tanning lamp. This is like in the 1970s. Oh, How dangerous that thing must have been. I'm surprised your house didn't burn down. <laughs> I know. It's crazy when I think about how weird that is in retrospect. But he looked fine with a tan. The man had beautiful blue eyes and always tan. Always tan. My own little my own little George Hamilton. Um, the other one that somebody wrote, time speeds up as you age. You may be yes. putting something off. You may say, oh, I can do this or that next year. There's always time. But a day will come upon you without fanfare or announcement, and you will no longer have your youth. I am not saying do things with reckless abandon, but don't waste your days. That is now, very true. I just love the idea of don't waste your days. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be 57. And I really can look back at my life and feel very strongly that there was very little wasted time. And I have done, I mean, if I went through the jobs that I've had and the things that I've done, it would honestly sound like I'm making it up because there are so many varied experiences in my life. But it was because I honestly, really tried to take advantage of every opportunity. I was super involved in a lot of different things. My only regret when I look at that is, and I would say this to teenagers, don't, I was hyper-focused on my education. Mm -hmm. I was hyper-focused on classwork and getting A's to the expense that I don't think I explored as many creative things as a teenager. 
as I could have, which I've made up for for the rest of my life. But I wish I had had more fun as a teenager. I was yeah. very serious. That's a good, I mean, that's a good reminder to have that balance. I think there's a lot of pressure on teenagers today to like achieve all these things and be in all the groups and be get right. great scores on the SAT and all that stuff. And right. for you to look back and go, I wish I would have had a little bit more fun is yeah. is important. Yeah. yeah. I, when I look back, I think the things that you, I, I wish I would have taken more time to practice things to get really good at them. You yes. know, I mean, that's like my daughter's in piano lessons. Right. And she's like, I don't want to go to piano. <laughs> I'm like, of course, you're going to piano. And but we have to work on getting her to practice because the the practicing something to get really good at aside from my job isn't really one of my strong suits. Right. I I wish that I would do that more. I feel really like now that I've gotten really good at baking sourdough and I was so bad at the beginning, (laughs) I'm like, wow, when you really work at something and then get good at it, it's super rewarding. And I'm just really getting that. And that is a nice thing to remember that you can practice that at any age because my sister's son was in piano lessons. He's six as well. He didn't want to do it. And so she said, fine, I'm going to take your lessons. She's been going to lessons and she just texted us the other day and she was like, guys, I am getting very good at piano. (laughs) And she said it is so much fun. And she's 36 years old. She's a mother of four. And she is practicing the piano and getting good at it. And so what a wonderful reminder. Yeah, that is a wonder. That's I love that she just said, "Okay, I'll take your lessons. I'll take your that, lesson. Fine. You know what? I'm not going to waste my money on you." <laughs> I you know what I love about that is that we especially when you have young children, you put so much thought into what their potential should be. I cannot tell you how much money we spent on lessons and instruments with our sons. Yeah. And at some point along the way, I should have said, "I'm taking your lessons." I know. I'm just taking them because I know. if you're not going to do it, I'm going to for- do it. We sometimes forget that we get to grow too. Mm-hmm. That's really, I really admire that. That's really cool. It's really cool. Okay, so in this Reddit thread, another 40 something to 20 something advice a good mattress is worth the extra money. Boy, that's the truth. You spend so much time on your mattress. Yeah, you do. That is true. Make it a good one. Shop wisely on that. And you don't um, buy them very often. And you shouldn't buy them very often because otherwise they're just going to sit in a landfill. Buy one really good one and then just have it for a long time. Yeah, I mean, my, my mattress, one of my mattresses has a 25 year warranty. And it should. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's good. a buy a good mattress. Another one, this is 40 something to 20 something advice, building strong, genuine relationships with your entry level work pairs, net peers now will pay massive dividends 10 years down the road when people have branched out and moved up. So true. I don't think a lot of 20 somethings think about this. That is the future of networking though. And that's where, this is where like my husband's hockey past has become so such a huge asset for him in his professional life. He made so many great connections through hockey and had really long-lasting bonds with people that he played with. And then what happens? They don't play hockey forever. They go into sales. They go in, a ton of them go into sales because there's a team mentality and there's a confidence that comes along with playing high-level sports. And that's really what you need when you work in Oh, I love that. And so every job he's gotten, Marjorie, has been because of hockey, because of like a hockey connection right. or or somebody being passionate about hockey. And and so I think that that's, that's just a reminder that wherever you are, whatever kind of team you're part of in your 20s, whether it's through work or through a sport or through whatever, really focusing on those connections is huge. 
I cannot tell you how many people that I knew in my young 20s in media I have touched base with again. I haven't needed them necessarily as a connection, but I know that if I picked up the phone, they would know me and it would be positive. I'm not saying I would call them for a job or anything like that. And there's a real, there's a really nice feeling knowing that I didn't burn any bridges. Mm -hmm. I didn't burn any bridges along the way. And most of them became many of the people that I worked with most closely, whether it was at Harpo or at CNN or any of the places or at Hubbard, any of the places that I've worked, I have left on really good terms. And I'm amazed at people that I know that have burned bridges. Because mm-hmm. there's never any reason to do that. I mean, honestly, no, no, there's, there's never a reason. There are reasons to leave a job, of course. But I think some people want to make that big statement on the way out. And that'll bite you every time. It's yeah. so much better, especially as I look back at the places that I've worked. It's so much better thinking that these were nice people. We had a nice relationship. All is good. And as I opposed always, to looking back bitterly. Yeah. And I remember that from early in TV, there would always be, because when you work in TV, you have a lot of competition yeah. between reporters, not only within, you know, the smaller markets, I think it kind of breeds insecurity because everybody's like jockeying for the next job. Oh, yeah. So you've got that within your own station, but then you also have a fierce competition among the reporters at the other stations, because if somebody's working on the same story as you, you want your story to be better, right? I mean, right. you want to scoop them. You want the information faster and um, and you want it to be better. That being said, there were always certain reporters at news conferences at up from other stations where if you would like miss something and you'd go, wait, did he say this? And they would they wouldn't tell you. They would deliberately mm. try to not help the competition. And I'm not saying you needed to help the competition, but you can also be a decent person and just understand that, hey, oh, he said this or that guy's name was spelled this way. You know, you missed it. I never understood people who would be so like tight and uber competitive because I thought I'm not going to be at this station forever. I'm going to move somewhere else. And like – I might need you to help me get a job. Like, I'm going to help out this person so that they, you know, or like stay on good terms. I just looked at things more big picture than that. Well, I think in, in you know, it's funny you use the news business as, as an example, but I think more and more businesses are like the news business. Like, I used to feel compared to my friends that were going into finance or going into sort of what were perceived as more stable industries, that it was so different for them. But I think as we've all become more mobile and especially as more jobs become remote, that you need to you need to make sure that I just think being helpful to everybody on the way up, if you're in your 20s, you're exactly right. I think in any industry, you're not going to – you don't know when you'll see those people again. For sure. Because within an industry, you're going to see those people again. Yeah. And I think that's something I didn't realize in my young 20s of how, how small our business really was. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I started out in the Quad Cities, that was my first TV job, Elizabeth. I think it's market 120-something, teeny tiny yeah. market. Yep. You know who was starting out at the same time in that market? Tell me. Hoda Kotb. <laughs> she was on the ABC affiliate at the same See? time. And the amount of people that went from that small market either to network jobs or to top 10 markets mm-hmm. was a pretty good percentage. So all those people, if you have your hand out to them all along the way, imagine if like if you're a reporter at my NBC affiliate and you had been mean to Hoda Kotb all along the way. Right. I mean, it's just you just don't know who the next Hoda Kotb is. I mean, you just don't. better be nice to everybody. So yeah, you're I totally think that's right. really good career advice. And then another piece of advice was do therapy now. Yeah. 
oh my goodness, I should have started therapy much younger, not when I was 48. I should have started it in my 20s. I think that's good advice. It is good advice. I mean, I think as soon as you start start to realize like a pattern or even a pattern in relationships or a relationship maybe with food that isn't productive or body image, all those types of things, working through those earlier will just allow you to have a more free, fulfilling life going forward, the more real you can get about that stuff earlier. We talk about, on Best of the Nest, we talk about raising our families. I mean, that's obviously our primary focus. But I think sometimes we ignore the idea of becoming a really healthy Mm 20-something. Somebody that's either single or just beginning to get into some more serious relationships. Because ultimately, you're laying the foundation for what, if you choose to have a family, what that's going to look like. Yeah. And so I think when the advice for from a 40-something to a 20-something is get therapy now, part of that is I also believe that the stronger the stronger you are mentally in your young 20s, the stronger the people you will attract. True. So I think so many times dysfunction can marry dysfunction, and then those dysfunctional patterns continue to the next generation. And I think it's sort of – I feel really fortunate that I married somebody who was good and kind. Mm-hmm. I was not – I was. I had my own dysfunctional patterns, but I think I, I would have benefited from having a stronger sense of what my issues were in my 20s. I feel fortunate that I married somebody good. I think the pattern for a lot of people who are dysfunctional is you marry, like I said, you marry somebody who either has the same dysfunctions or different ones. Right. And that's that's much harder when you're trying to get healthy as a couple. Yeah. I think it's much better if you come to a relationship whole and healthy. I just didn't, you know, there was a lot that I didn't know in my 20s that I know now. But I think that's really good advice. If you feel that sense of, you know, something doesn't feel quite right, whether you're recognizing it in your work relationships, then there's no, I think there's a lot of this stigma is gone for therapy. And I think too, for a lot of people, their health insurance will cover it. So I think that's a really, I think that's a really cool thing to take advantage of if you can. Yeah. If you just want to do a tune up. Oh my gosh. If your plan says like, hey, you get six free sessions a year, take them. Yeah. Do it. Because mine doesn't and I have to pay for it and I do it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Another thing I think when I look back at my 20s and I'm really glad that I did if this, well, I'm, I'm glad that I did some and I'm sad that I didn't do others, which was traveling. Right. And there was a time when I had, I've talked about this before that both of my sisters lived in New York. So I had a six year period where I had at least one sister in New York. Right. And I got to a point, especially when I moved back to the Twin Cities and I had uh, no rent because I was living at my parents' house. So I, if I found, if there was a flight for under 200, like right around 200 bucks, I would just go. I would book it for a weekend and I would go Friday after work and I would come back super early Monday morning. And those are some of my greatest memories because not only did I get to experience the city of New York, which I knew that I was never going to live in, right? but I knew that I loved the city and I wanted to get to know it. So I spent a lot of time in New York, but I also got to know my sisters as adults where without the burdens of kids and husbands and all those things, we really were like living 
the fun, young, single life in New York. And we would go out and we would eat dinner at 10 o'clock and we would go out to clubs and we would drink martinis at any time. I mean, Marjorie, it was like very, very fun. (laughs) And those weekends are some of my best memories and I think really solidified those relationships. And then the regrets that I have are the trips that I didn't take. And I'm not telling you to like go into debt to travel, but I am saying that if you can skimp on other things so that you can push to get some of those trips in, it's totally worth it. My biggest regrets, I remember when I worked early in news, when I was anchoring weekends in Green Bay, a lot, that was a time when a lot of my friends got married and I could never make it to both the bachelorette party and the wedding. I always had to choose because I could only take a certain number of weekends off because I was anchoring. Right. And, and I missed out on those experiences and I still feel very sad about that. So I wish that I would have pushed back on that and gone, I'm going to go to this because now I'm like anchoring those stupid shows meant nothing compared to missing my friend's bachelorette parties. And then, but, and, um, I, and I think that's huge. I think, I think yeah. for, for me, travel was always, I came from a family that traveled. And so I traveled a lot as a young child. And so that was just always a part of what I knew. And I think when you talk about money, I mean, I was broke through a lot of college, but I am the master of traveling frugally. Yeah. And so again, when I look back at my life, those are my memories. I know. Those are the memories. And I think that's one of the things when I think about what advice would I give to 20-somethings, travel is a huge part of it. Investing in it, even when you have children, is we would prioritize travel. I always prioritize travel as a family because I didn't spend a lot of money on other things. But for my kids, I wanted them, because I think it was the way I was raised, I wanted them to have a very strong worldview at a very young age. And so, but there are ways, and it does take money, but there are ways to do it cheaply. And you just have to, if if it's a priority, you can always find those ways. I mean, probably one of the most extravagant trips I did with the kids was the boys and I, when they were, I think, 11 and 9, roughly, about, I took them on the the Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah. And we crossed from, we flew to London. Um, My mother was having a big birthday party in Scotland. So we did that. But then we took the QE2 back to New York. And it's like a seven day journey. I mean, it's kind of amazing. But it was a really cool thing to do. But the way we were able to do it is that there was a, a special that Virgin Airlines was running, still not cheap, cheap, but we were in the lowest cabin. So we had no windows. We had no, (laughs) and the kids and I would joke. I said to them, you know, if we were on the Titanic, it's all of these lower decks that didn't survive because you couldn't get out from underneath it. But, but it didn't matter because it was the experience of doing it, which was so exciting and so fun. And, and at the time, the QE2 had been the ship that all of the celebrities, like in the 50s and 60s, had taken. So they had pictures of, like, Catherine Hepburn had walked the, the, the decks of the QE2. So it was really exciting. But it was, it was prioritized and intentional, and we did it as frugally as we could possibly do it, but we got to do it. And so mm-hmm. I think that, that sometimes people think, oh, I'll only go to Europe if I can do it this way. 
Yeah. There are so many ways you can do it. You just have to be able to stand a little discomfort. Especially if you're in your 20s. When you're in your 20s, you can handle this the discomfort better than when you get older. And so do it young. I know. I think those experiences, we were just out to dinner with some girlfriends and I was talking about, we were talking about this trip that we took when we were in college. One of our best friends from high school went to Princeton. And I was at University of Wisconsin. Another of my girlfriends was at uh, University of Kansas. And another was at St. Thomas here. And the three of us bought plane tickets and went to visit Mark at Princeton. And we stayed with him in his dorm room. I mean, they had nice dorm rooms at Princeton. But it was another example, I think, of we really took the opportunity that uh, again, it's like a same, a same as along those New York lines of like, I knew I wasn't going to live that life. Right. I was going to a big public school. I had a really close friend at an Ivy League school. And so I got to go spend a weekend there and see what life was like for yep. him. And it was fascinating. And we were just out to dinner, uh, those friends and myself, and we were roaring, sharing memories of sleeping on futons and going to these private eating clubs and like who we were meeting <laughs> and what we were doing and thinking like this was so crazy. And, but it was again, like looking for that opportunity. I had no money. I probably had no business doing it. And it is right. still one of my greatest right. memories. And I, I think that those are the, when you, the older you get, the more you look back on and it's easier to see what you hold dear. Yeah. And I think, I, I think the other piece of advice, if, if looking back is get as many degrees as you can in whatever field you're in while you're still young. Yeah. I think, um, I think there was a natural, I'd always thought I was going to go to law school and I'd been accepted to a couple, but for me, pregnancy sort of, you know, I got pregnant and then I got pregnant again and then I just didn't ever do it. And then I sort of made the intentional decision not to go to law school, but I still wish that I had gotten either that degree or some degree in my 20s whether it's that or my master's in my 20s. My husband did his master's when he was in his late 30s. And it's a much harder road yeah, when you're trying to do it after you have two children and you're balancing a house payment and school and all of those other things. I just think that now that I know, now that I know what I know, I would have definitely probably just gone to law school because it would have been useful in what I do all along the way anyway. And I would have See, enjoyed it. And I'm the complete opposite of you. I'm so glad I didn't go to freaking law school. <laughs> oh, I not. I would have loved I it. I thought about it. And I was just out to dinner with a bunch of lawyers. And I was like, I always thought I would go to law school. Like if I didn't get a TV job, I yep. would have gone to law school. And they were like, oh, be glad you didn't. <laughs> well, it depends on the lawyers that you talk to. Yes, I know, there are I know. many lawyers that do not enjoy what they do. Yeah. But I know a lot of lawyers who are not practicing law, but the degree was really fundamental to what they do. Well, and you love school. Like I do that love was school. a thing. I mean, you're a person <laughs> you you are like you you prioritize education. Yep. You like worked so hard at it. You have a passion for it. Marjorie, I did the bare minimum that yes. I could to try to get a B plus, okay? <laughs> like let's talk about the difference in our personalities yeah. there. Yeah. You I mean, there and I think what that is is really what you're saying, because whether it's education or not, it is figuring out like whatever you're passionate about, right. try to do as much of it as you can while you're young. And for while you, that's young. education. And for me, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I was passionate about. It was just trying to work in TV. <laughs> and well, it's well, worked well, out okay. <laughs> it's been fine. But I think what's interesting is, especially like in media, I look at the people 
who in their 40s and 50s, shocking things can happen to you in your 40s and 50s in media. True. Yeah. And I think for, you know, I work with a lot of students here and I'm always, one in particular, I was just adamant, no, get your master's, get your master's. <laughs> because it wasn't, it wasn't about it being helpful to her now. It was about when she's in her 40s, if she wanted yeah. to teach or she wanted yes. to do anything else, it was already That's taken true. care of. And yep. so it's really sort of that sort of future think that if you can stand doing it, depending on your industry, it it won't hurt you. You know, Get it, it done may young. Only, get it done young. It's sort of how I feel about it. Yeah, but what would you – any true. any advice that you would have? You are truly a 40-something for 20-year-olds. I'm not a 40-something. I'm 39 and a half oh. for the love of God, Marjorie. <laughs> Cripes. I'm almost 40. I turned 40 this summer. Um, you know, I think... Uh, You're my, a late 30-something. I'm a late 30-something. I think my biggest piece of advice is really to strike to try to strike that balance. Well, I, I'm a big believer in seeking out mentors, right? Oh. Seeking out mentors in whatever industry or whatever... That's great. Like, whatever, advice. whoever you look at and you think like, I like the way their life looks, you know, and yeah. you're not going to know everything about them, yep. but I like the way their life looks, seek out a mentor and try to find those connections and make those connections because I think that's really, really helpful. And then also I wish I, I always wish throughout my life that I worried less and that oh I cared God, less yes. what people thought. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that that just that's one of those lessons that can only come with age, and particularly for me, it could only come with getting older. Because I remember being so nervous, like at my first jobs, right. I was so afraid to ask. I was a reporter, and I'd be nervous about asking questions of like a Duluth City Council person. And now I'm like, what, what in the, the world? You know, I mean. And no disrespect to people who are on the city council. No. They're wonderful people who are doing their best to make their community better. But, like, why would I think that I was any less entitled to ask a question exactly. of a city council person than anybody? You know what I mean? I was right. perfectly qualified and and deserving and uh, to ask a question of them. And I would be kind of nervous, like, oh, is this person going to like me? Am I going to do this oh, in the yeah. right way? And And now I just care so much less. What you know, people it's think a, of me, which feels very freeing. <laughs> I uh, when I was a when I was a page, I remember my father was coming to visit me in Washington, and I was going to introduce him to the member of Congress that I was working for. And my father was very outspoken, very liberal, very had very strong feelings about lots of things. <laughs> and I remember like trying to prep him. I mean, imagine the audacity of your seventeen-year-old daughter trying to tell you what you can and cannot say to somebody. So I was trying to, like, protect myself and make sure that he sort of behaved. And he looked at me and he said, he works for me. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, Dad. So I was like, oh, okay. And then so you were like, you can't come in. Exactly. <laughs> you scare me. You're going to embarrass me. Please, no, please, no. But he's exactly right. And so to your point about a, a, a city council person, you were there to do I you were there to do your job just as exactly. they were there to do theirs. But I'm so with you about that nervousness of knowing <laughs> what we are entitled to do and that it is our right. When you're so young, it's easy to forget that. It's yeah. easy to forget that you have your place in the world just the same. Just yes, the same as they do. So true. And just know in life it's not gonna get worse. It's gonna get better. Things yes. do it gets better. I think it gets better. Oh, I love your three pieces. I think those may be my three three favorites is get them. Oh. Mentors are huge. Worry less. 
And I've forgotten the third already. So <laughs> it was good. I but I too. liked it. So. I liked it too. That feels great. Marjorie, <laughs> such a fun conversation. I liked it. 40s to 20s, wherever you are. Wherever you are, that's where you are. You can't go yeah. anywhere else, so you might yep. as well make the best of it. <laughs> Stop worrying about it. Truth. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and write us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.